And let me recap a little bit of part one. The series is basically, there are people that act super, super spiritual, and I'm listening, they're not. Okay, people that act like they're closer to Jesus than you and they use verbiage that you don't understand and they have a word for you and they're kind of weird. Weird people are not spiritual. Being spiritual is very normal. The fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. There's no fruit of the Spirit called weird. There's no fruit of the Spirit called you know, abnormal or anything like that. So, so a lot of people, they think they're spiritual, they're not. And a lot of you in here are actually very spiritual and you don't know it. You're very spiritually mature. Uh, natural maturity and spiritual maturity are basically a lot the same thing. If you can be faithful, loyal, keep your word, have integrity, those are great um, attributes of walking with God. And so uh, Galatians 5.16 is our, 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 our series scripture, and it's walk in the spirit and you won't gratify the flesh. That's the whole goal of being spiritually mature. Every day you have a choice, every day. Are you going to let your body control you? Or are you going to let your soul control you? Or are you going to let the spirit of God control you? Once you're saved, the Holy Spirit connects with your spirit, and the goal is for you to walk in that spirit. The more you feed your spirit, the more it's stronger than your flesh and your body or your soul and your body. And again, I'm recapping part one in case you weren't here. But we are a triune being. You are a spirit. Everybody say, I am a spirit. I am a spirit. This is why you're going to live forever. I don't care what you believe. I don't care who you worship. You're going to live forever, either in heaven or hell. But you're going to live forever because you're a spirit. You're a spirit. You have a soul. That's your mind, will, and emotions. I think I want a feel. Think I want a feel. And then you live in a body. Now, you are the only triune being on earth. Now, don't write me any emails, okay? But trees are a one-part being. What, be, what part do you think trees have? A body. That's all they have. They can't think. They can't feel. They don't have desires. Okay? If you don't agree with me, that's fine. You don't have to tell me. Trees only have one part. Animals, this might upset you even worse, only have two parts. Animals have a body and a soul. They don't have a spirit. They can't get saved. All, they, they, have a, they have a soul. They have a mind, will, and emotions. They want to pee on your carpet. That's what they want to do. They have a desire to pee on your... When you're not home, they really want to do it. That's the, that they just wait for you to leave so they can pee on your carpet. That's their desire. It just burns inside of them. You know, they love that. Sometimes they leave you a present different places in the house. That's just what they do. That's their desire. But they don't have a spirit. You are a spirit, okay? So here's the goal. Every day of our life, there's a battle. Who is going to control us, spirit, soul, or body? During praise and worship, the Bible says men everywhere should lift their hands and worship God. Okay, your body says, I'm too tired. Your soul says, I'm too embarrassed. Your spirit says, everything God has done for me, and this is what he asks of me, there's no problem that I'll lift my hands and worship him. See the difference? Uh, your boss is treating you bad. You have vocal cords. Your body wants to spit on them. Your soul wants to cuss them out. And the spirit of God says, just respect that position. Uh, speak the right words or don't say anything at all. Which one is going to control you? Where you go, who you hang out with, it's either you, you've got to choose one or the other. Your body really wants to get it on. Your soul really wants to hang out with friends and party and have fun. And your spirit says we need to do the right thing. Who's going to control what you do? That's the battle of life. Spiritually mature or not. You could be spiritually mature today and then tomorrow be spiritually unmature. It's all who's controlling. Everybody understand? So let me say this one more last point and then I'll go into today's sermon. Who's going to control you? Your stomach? 
already you don't like me or the spirit of God the ushers have already locked the doors just so you know you can't leave so here's part two is the body part one was the flesh part two we're going to talk about the body everybody say my body is very important say my body is valuable okay so first Corinthians 6 if you have your Bibles you can turn there and it says this all things are permissible but not all things are profitable what that means is, is as a believer you can do a lot of things that aren't good or bad. It's just a lot of them are not profitable. You can do a lot of things that are actually bad and still go to heaven. It's just not profitable for you. All things are lawful to me, but I will not become a slave of anything. That's this series. Who are you? Are you a slave to your stomach? Are you a slave to your taste buds? Are you a slave to your thoughts? Or are you a servant of God? It says food is for the stomach and stomach for the food. No one likes sermons about stomachs and foods. Okay, and then it goes on to say in verse 19, Do you not know that your body, everybody say, my body, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God, and you're not even, when you get saved, you don't belong to you. You don't belong to you anymore. You are no longer yours. In fact, you were actually purchased. You were bought, and you cost something, you cost you cost God the only thing he had one of. There's only one thing in this universe that he had one of that he didn't create. He had one son, and that's what you cost. You cost the blood of Jesus Christ. No animal costs that. No planet costs that. No, no, no. You cost the blood of the Son of God. So it says this, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. So how do we honor God with our body? We take care of it. We respect it. We treat it as valuable. Because your body isn't just yours. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. So let me talk about that for a minute. Um, the tithe is called holy because it belongs to God. The tithe is the first 10% of our income when we work. We can't gamble that away. We can't give that to some organization. We bring it, the Bible says, to our local storehouse. You can't even, you can't give the tithe because it's not yours. It belongs to God. You bring it to Him, right? Praise and glory belongs to God alone. None of you in here this week, I hope you're not going to worship Buddha. I hope none of you are going to praise and magnify Muhammad. Anybody can do that? Good. I'm not even going to give you a chance to raise your hand. We will take you out. No, I'm just kidding. And so, so here's the question. Why, why will you not give praise and glory to Buddha or Muhammad? Here's why. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. You won't worship another. You, you worship God. All worship belongs to him. Okay? Listen. Your body isn't just your body. Out of every place, God could have created a golden um, uh, a tower to live in on earth. He could have created a diamond, um, a massive, huge building to live in. He chose to live in your temple, your body. That's what he chose to do. Um, if you purchased a, um, uh, a racehorse, you know, they have million-dollar Kentucky Derby racehorses. Let's say you took a loan out. You went to go buy a racehorse, and the goal is you want to make your money back. Like You want to race that horse make a profit from it. If you bought a million dollar racehorse, let me ask you a question. Would you give it cigarettes throughout the day? Would you feed it McDonald's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Are you sure? Would you let it stay up all night long and watch TV? What about the day before the race? You'd let it stay up all night long and watch Mr. Ed, wouldn't you? <laughs> Wilbur. Is anybody that old besides me? 
Y'all are old. I was lying. I wasn't that old. I just wanted to see who'd lift their hand. No, Do you know how they made Mr. Ed move his lips? They put peanut butter inside of his teeth. I read that. Isn't that unusual? Okay, anyway, what are we talking about? So, okay, so you have a racehorse. So you wouldn't do that, right? Okay, your body is more valuable than any million-dollar racehorse. Because God did not choose to live in the racehorse. He chose to live in you. So I have three points for it. I have four, but I'm not going to charge you for the fourth one. So I have three points. Number one is this. Fasting heals my body. Fasting heals me now. Some of you have never heard of fasting, so I'm going to teach it to you because our church does an annual fast. We normally do seven days. I'm going to lead us. I believe God wants us to do a 21-day fast. Oh, okay. So I see you're excited about it already. I, I, could, I, could, I could hear the excitement coming from Betty from the second row. Instead of a seven, we're going to... Tw- oh, oh, God. So the first week will be food, a type of food. The second week will be a type of media. And the third week will be a type of talking fast. Profanity, complaining, negativity, whatever the case. Okay, so this week is a food fast. Matthew 6 is all about fasting and prayer. Over and over, Jesus says this. When you pray, when you fast, when you pray, when you fast. What's the first word of this scripture? What is it? It's not if, it's when. We are expected as believers to fast and pray. Not only that, but Jesus puts prayer and fasting on the same level. He doesn't say, pray, 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 and, you know, fast sometimes. No, no, no. It's, all, it's on the same level all through Matthew 6, prayer, fasting, prayer, and fasting. Um, the, the, the most childlike or easiest um, definition of fasting would be this, to withdraw from a body or a soul craving and to feed your spirit or seek God during that time. A soul craving like Facebook to withdraw from something. Let me say it this way, to withdraw from something that you actually crave more than God. To withdraw, you don't know how much you actually crave stuff till God tells you to give it up for a week. I'm telling you, you're, you're going you're gonna to really have a good time this week. So you, you withdraw from a craving and you seek God. 1 Corinthians 9.27, don't read this in your head until I say it out loud, okay? It says, I buffet. It does not say buffet. Some of y'all got so excited when the scripture went on the screen. I saw some of y'all, right? I got my word from the Lord today. I get to go to a buffet after church. I buffet or discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. That's the goal for today. That's the goal for this series is to bring our soul and our body under subjection. Your stomach makes a wonderful servant but a horrible master. You cannot allow your taste buds to control you. You're a spirit. You know, one of my personal goals before I die is by the time I die, 40, 50 years from now, I want to have withdrawn from any and everything that I would ever crave more than God. At some point in my life, I don't want anything to control me. I don't want a television show to control me. I don't want money to control me. I don't want my whatever desire I have. I don't want food to control me. Everybody say amen. It's hard to say amen when you're talking about food, but you can do it. Burgers, pizzas, chicken wings, tacos, french fries, onion rings. Ice cream, donuts, cookies, and cakes. Soda, chips, and chocolate shakes. These are things I like to munch for breakfast, dinner, snack, and lunch. Every meal I eat includes more and more and more fast food. Yet with every meal I eat, I grow slower on my feet. This is why I need to know, why does fast food make me slow? Lord, grant me the strength not to fall into the clutches of cholesterol. At MSGs, I'll never mutter, for the road to hell is P. 
paved in butter. Cake is cursed. Cream is awful. Satan is hiding in every waffle. Teach me the evil of fried chicken from the South. Lord, if you love me, shut my mouth. <laughs> you know, that's, that's going to be y'all's prayer this week. Y'all are going to go to Psalms 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Nope, not going to do that. Lord, shut my mouth. Do you know the word fast in Hebrew actually means to keep your mouth shut? I bet you've never read this scripture, Proverbs 25, 27. Don't eat too much sugar. It actually says in one translation, do not stuff yourself with sweets. Do you know one in every four children in America suffers from diabetes? And society loves to medicate every single child. If they get a C instead of an A, put them on medicine. If they cough three times, put them on medicine. If they blink their eyes too much, give them medicine. What if we just learn how to be a little bit more healthy? And let me say something that I'm going to say it as much grace as I can say it. If, if, if your child is unhealthy or if someone in your immediate family and household is unhealthy, you're unhealthy. And you need to walk with that person to a place of health. If there's something you don't want your children eating this in the pantry, don't buy it. You say, well, I really enjoy that. No, 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 no. You, if you won't do this for yourself, do it for your child and for, and for your spouse. I mean, do, do whatever it takes to walk, the, walk with these people to a healthy place. It is spiritual to minister to your own body. Some of you think it's spiritual to read the Bible for five hours and get four hours of sleep. No. God would rather, and you can quote me, I believe God would rather you get eight hours of sleep and take one scripture and just meditate on that throughout the day than study five hours of Bible and get four hours sleep. Not a great sermon, is it? Uh, most of us take better care than, of our car than we do our own body. I have a friend who got a new car recently, and he smokes, but he won't smoke in that car. He eats fast food, but he won't let anybody eat fast food in his new car. Why? He loves that new car. He treats it as valuable. Okay, listen, your body is worth more than any new car. You need to start seeing it as valuable. You say, well, um, can I smoke and still go to heaven? Yes. Can I chew tobacco and still go to heaven? Yes. Can I drink alcohol and still go to heaven? Yes. In fact, you will get there before the rest of us get there. So do it if you want to do it. This sermon is not about heaven or hell. This sermon is about appreciating the only temple that God gave you for his spirit on earth. You're not going to get another temple on earth to put the Holy Spirit inside of. Uh, this guy was walking around his neighborhood one day. He saw a little old lady on the front porch, and he was just being friendly. He said, you sure do look great. What's your secret? She said, well, I eat junk food all day long. I stay up all night and watch TV, and I smoke three packs of cigarettes a day. He was shocked. He said, how old are you? She said, I'm 26. <laughs> okay. So, the Gadarene demoniac in Mark chapter 5. Let's talk about demons. Jesus arrived and a man with an unclean spirit or a demon came up from the tombs. Night and day, this man would cry out and cut himself with stones. You would not believe how many people I've helped or dealt with or helped minister to over the past several years who battle cutting themselves. Most of them are young people in high school. Cutting. Now, if your friend or your child or someone in your home was cutting themselves, 
you would rush over to their aid. You'd pray for them. You'd walk them out of that. You'd do whatever it took. Whatever it took. I wonder how many of you the enemy has deceived, not into attacking the outside of your body, but attacking the inside of your body. And, and, and when, you, when you know someone that, that cuts themselves or what, you can't help but have the thought, they must hate their body. They must not like it at all. If you've ever had the thought, I hate my nose, I hate my ear, I hate this part of my body, you have to understand, you're creating a wrong mindset that opens up the door for the enemy to deceive you into treating that thing that you hate as not valuable. Because if you don't like something, you don't treat it well. If you don't respect something, you don't treat it very well. You attack the things in life that you just don't appreciate and don't like. I believe we all need to get to the point, no matter what body God has given you, that you love it for the simple fact that God lives inside of it. For you to say, I don't like this about me, you're saying that one room in your temple, God, I don't like it. I don't like that. I don't hate And God said, well, that's the only one you're going to get. I, I gave that to you. Um, now let me just kind of talk about um, transgender issue. I get a lot of emails concerning transgender and people asking me questions about that. Uh, I believe that every one of us in here battle something about their body that they don't like or they wish they could change or fix. And so if you battle the transgender uh, issue or you know someone that does, let me say a few things. Number one, Jesus loves every single part of you. He doesn't just love your soul or your spirit. He doesn't just love the healthy parts of you. He loves every inch of you, your whole body as well. All three parts he loves unconditionally. Um, if you ever feel like there's a gap between uh, who you feel you are supposed to be and what you are biologically, let me say that Jesus knows what it's like to get inside of a body that doesn't quite match who he is. The God of the universe, the universe's God, entered into a corruptible body that could bleed. That doesn't line up. Uh, an all-powerful who could have called down a million angels to by his side, that God entered into a human body that could feel pain when his own creation was abusing him. That doesn't line up. Jesus knows what it's like to be in a body that doesn't quite match who he knows he is. Okay, listen. Is the body God gave you. And we all battle that on some level. Matthew 16, 24 says, if you want to be one of his disciples, we have to all learn to deny things that we want in order to focus on serving God. Jesus fasted and prayed so he would have supernatural strength to honor God even with his body. Uh, number two is this. Fasting humbles my soul. The next three points are very, very quick. The first one was my longest. Fasting, and I put prayer in parentheses because I want you to understand, fasting without seeking God is called dieting. This is not a sermon on dieting, okay? A sermon on fasting and prayer. In fact, the first three letters of diet spell die. That's right. You know, I'm not asking you to diet. You need to fast and pray. Forget dieting. Fast and pray. In fact, stressed, spelled backwards, is Desserts. That's right. So yeah, so you don't want any of that. Okay, so so fasting uh, and prayer humbles my soul. Um, fasting connect disconnects you from the world, and prayer connects you to God. Isaiah fifty eight is all about fasting and prayer. Okay, once again it starts off saying when you, not if, 
We, if Buddhists and, and Hindus can fast, we can fast. You can fast. You can do it. It says, when you've humbled yourselves and fasted. Let me say this. I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says God will humble you. It always says God God will humiliate you, but he wants you to humble yourself. He does it for our benefit. So we are actually called all through the Bible to humble ourselves. Fasting and prayer actually humbles you. Let me give you some examples. When you pray for your enemies and you're not fasting, you're just praying, which is great. But a lot of times your prayer is this. God, remove my enemy out of my path. God, close the mouth of my boss like you did with Daniel in the lion's den. God, destroy that person like you took Pharaoh out in the Red Sea. That's how we pray for our enemies when we're just praying, right? When you fast and pray, something happens to your mind, your will, and your emotions, and you begin to pray like this after a few days of fasting. Trust me, you'll begin to do this. Lord, give me more grace for that person that's in my life that's annoying me. Because you know, if God removes that person... Another one will come back in its place. But if God changes you, it doesn't matter who's there. God, please teach me to shut my mouth when I feel this rage come up in me. God, please give me the words to actually encourage the person that's discouraging me. Things change in your life when you fast and pray. It's not about changing God. He's not going to change. It's about you being changed by God. It goes on to say in verse 8, uh, let me actually let me give you another example of, of humbling yourself. Um, I thought of this. Um, a lot of us, when we see somebody that battles cigarettes or drug addictions or alcohol, we tend, with our Christian minds, we smile, but in the back of our mind we think, well, you're lazy. I would have never got addicted like you did. What's wrong with you? Can't you quit? A lot of times we have those thoughts. But when you begin to fast this week, you'll discover you need the power of the Holy Ghost just to keep you away from an Oreo for seven days. And you think that person with drug addictions has problems? You can't go a day without drinking a Diet Coke unless you have God helping you every step of the way. Right? Am I wrong? If I'm lying, I'm dying. Right? That's how, I mean, you think, man, what's wrong with them? They got that drug addiction, marijuana, cocaine, whatever it is. Man, you, if you can go three days without going through a drive-thru, your whole life would change. You'd be laying hands on the sick, seeing dead come alive. You'd be so excited, right? So that's how it humbles us. Okay, three more things. It heals us quickly. Verse 8. Then your righteousness will go before you. That means it'll get you back on right standing. Maybe in 2019, you didn't know which direction to go. Fasting and prayer always puts you back on the right path. Even if you're one degree off, after years of that, you'll be 1,000 miles away. You got to get back on the right path. And number three, when you call, the Lord will answer. If the only thing that happens when you fast is that third one, it's worth it. It's worth it. You're here today because of a three-day fast. Um, five years ago or so, um, I, I went through a difficulty in life, and I, I stepped down from ministry. I made some mistakes, and I, I repented, but I didn't know if, I wanted to, if God wanted me to pastor or get a secular job or whatever. So I went on a three-day fast. Uh, no media. I went on a food fast, and I went on a talking fast, a particular type of talking that I wasn't going to do. And um, on the third day, I was in the woods, and I was sitting down by myself, and a Methodist minister was walking by. I don't even know the guy's name. And he asked me what I'm doing. I said, I'm spending time with God. And he, after about two or three minutes of talking, he looked at me, and he said, God wants you back. I said, well, I'm already back. I'm a Christian. I love God. He said, no, no, God's telling me so strongly he needs you back. He needs you back. 
And I thought, you know, I said, man, you don't know my story. So I told him my story. And he said, well, what would you tell a hundred pastors who had your life? What would you say to them at this point in their life? Would you tell them to give up ministry? Get a say, or would you tell them to go back in ministry? I said, I'd tell them that don't let any mistake stop you from using your gifts and talents for God. If you've repented, go forward. That's what it's all about. We're Christians. Don't ever turn back. On. He said, man, you got your answer. Well, I wasn't convinced. So the next night after my three-day fast, I went to visit my friend Mark at uh, a nightclub that he works at. I said, man, I'm leaving ministry. I need a job. He said, what do you need a job for? I said, I need you to find me a place playing the piano somewhere. I'm done with church. He said, why? And I told him my story. He said, if you'll go back and preach, then I'll come. And I'll lead worship for you. And I'll play the piano. And listen, when you call... God will always answer. If you'll be willing to humble yourself and recognize, I can't even eat the right things without you, God. I can't breathe without you, God. Fasting always will change. It will always change your life. Always. I have a true story I want to share with you. Uh, from Mount Vernon, Texas, this local bar called Drummond's Bar, they began construction on a new building to increase the bar in the business. But the local Baptist church began praying and fasting to stop the bar from opening up. The day before the bar was going to open, lightning struck the building and burned it to the ground. The church was very smug after that until the bar owners sued the church on the grounds that the church was ultimately responsible for the demise of the new bar building, whether directly or indirectly. In court, the judge heard both sides. The church board denied all responsibility to the building's destruction. Finally, before the judge made his ruling, and I'll quote it for you, he said, I do not know what to do about this case. It appears we have a group of bar owners who believe strongly in the power of prayer and fasting, and we have an entire church congregation that does not believe in the power of prayer and fasting. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. True story. I laughed about that for days. Okay, number three, fasting helps spiritually. Spiritually. People that act really spiritual, they, they, they tend to forget that there's natural obedience involved. Uh, as an example, God asked Moses to raise his hands on top of the mountain, and when he did, Israelites began to win the battle. Something supernatural happened while his hands were in the air. Hands up, they won. Hands down, they lost. Remember that story? Um, when God Almighty created the earth, he didn't wiggle a magic wand. He didn't twitch his nose like bewitched. He said, let there be light. Physical words cause supernatural powers to come into play. Understand, Physical always causes spiritual stuff, okay? When you fast and when you spend time, you can listen to sermons, read your Bible, just listen to God, pray, go for a walk, whatever it is. When you fast and pray in the natural, spiritual things occur. One time in the Bible, there was this kid that had a, a demon. He was, uh, had epilepsy, and they brought him to the disciples. The disciples prayed, and nothing happened. So they brought him to Jesus. Jesus prayed, the demon left. They said, how did you do this? In Mark 9, 29, Jesus said, this kind of demon can only come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. Okay, let me be very clear with you today. There are some things in your life that will never change until you 
pray and fast. I can, you can read the whole Bible. You will never find an outcome quite like prayer and fasting. Something happened. It's like that movie, I think it's Bird Box or whatever it is, where they, they cover up their, their face and their, their ears. are When it's like getting rid of one sense and your other sense is heightened, you know? When you get rid of those, when you begin to stay away from those cravings that you have, the crave of TV or the crave of food or whatever it is, and you begin to pour into your spirit and feed your spirit, it heightens to a new level. It changes you. It changes things in the natural. It changes the way you think, feel, and desire. It changes things when you do it in the natural. Okay, so um, last story, and then I'll let you go. Uh, I, I, had a, I had 50 examples of fasting and prayer in the Bible. I had 50 of them. I got rid of all of them. I want to tell you one that happened not in the Bible, but in our world back in 1973, the Yom Kippur War. I don't know if you all remember that's 47 years ago or so. Egypt, Jordan, and Syria allied together to attack and wipe out Israel as a nation. They want to be done with them. So Israel fasted for 24 days. 24 days, that's it. They looked like the Arab armies were coming against them, pushed Israel back. It looked like they were going to lose after 24 hours of fasting, the Israelite soldiers that had not eaten in 24 hours decided, okay, it's time to get up and fight. As they approached the Sinai Desert, the Egyptians and the other armies began to see, and you can research it yourself, began to see huge tanks like they had never seen before. A huge army they couldn't even imagine coming against them. They actually got up, left a lot of their vehicles, turned around, and ran away. Whenever you turn on the news and you hear the phrase occupied territories, when you hear that phrase, you need to remember this. Those are the territories Israel claimed after a 24-hour fast in 1974. Man, what would we claim in this church if everybody in our church took place, took part in this fast? Amazing things would happen. Last point, I'm not going to charge you for this one because it's number four. You can do it. You, everybody say, I can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can, don't you dare think you can't do it. You can do it. I have a friend who's very wealthy and he loves to use his money to make his life easier, which is totally fine. He does a little bit more than most people would, but he had an employee who smoked and uh, he couldn't stand the smell of it. And normally he would just fire people because this is the way my friend is. If you, if you look at him the wrong way, he fires you. But one day he told this guy, he said, man, you need to stop smoking. Because he really liked him as an employee. The guy said, I've tried everything. i tried the patch. I've tried hypnosis. I've done everything I can. So my friend said to him, I'll give you $1,000 right now if you quit smoking. And if you start back, you give the money back. Do you know how long it took that guy to quit smoking? Never touched a cigarette again. And this was several years ago. If you really want to do something, you can do it but you got to see the reward being worth the cost, okay? The reward of fasting and prayer is worth the cost. It'll change. 2020 will be the greatest year of your life. Let me give you another example. My wife, who I love, uh, amazing wife, greatest wife in the world, greatest wife. One of the reasons I fell in love with her is because she likes to eat. I don't want a woman that eats like a rabbit when I'm putting baby back ribs and barbecue. I want a woman that you know, has some little bit of meat on her bones, you know. And so, so we love to eat. Now, we don't, we, we, we don't eat a lot, but we go out to eat a lot. And we always share a plate. We share a meal, we share dessert, and we share a drink. 
We found out that you can eat out twice as much if you do that. But anyway, and so we did that. We really do that. And so about seven weeks ago, Micah woke up and the Holy Spirit just put on her heart, just like that, to stop eating meat and all animal products, butter, milk, eggs. I was like, who are you? What have you done with my wife? You know, do you know that for the past seven weeks, even we got, sometimes we got to eat, she doesn't eat anything. She just drinks water. And she could not do this on her own. This was only because God put it on her heart to do it. Now, he may change that tomorrow. He may tell her you can go back to your regular diet tomorrow. It wasn't for diet purposes. It wasn't for spiritual purposes. God just put it on her heart to do it. And when he puts it on your heart to do it, he gives you the strength to follow through. If she can go seven weeks and not eat meat, listen, you can go seven days and fast with the rest of us. I promise you. If she can do that, you can do this. She even makes me and the kids food. Bacon, eggs, sausage, spaghetti, meatloaf. Like She'll make us food knowing the whole time she's making it, she's not going to eat any of it. That's, ama- that's freaking amazing right there, right? That's a miracle from God. That's like dead coming to life kind of thing. I mean, that's amazing. Okay, if she can do that for seven weeks... You can do whatever God is laying on your heart to do for the next seven days. I want you to pull out your handout that I have for you there. You have a little slip of paper that came with it. And um, on the slip of paper, I'd like for you to, you don't have to do this, or you can do it and not put your name on it. But when you leave church today, if you will put that slip of paper in one of the boxes, our prayer partners will pray for you this week. Now listen, they're not going to call you and see how you're doing. If they see you in a restaurant, if you put, I'm not going to eat steak, and they see you eating steak this week, they're not going to tell on you. They're not going to run over to you in the restaurant and start laying hands on you and praying for you. This is just for them to pray for you during this week, okay? That's all it is. Let me tell you a few quick things that's going to happen when you start to fast and pray because you're changing your diet. I'm going to tell you this. The enemy's going to attack you. Be prepared. Be prepared. You need to get this sermon on CD and hear me say, you can do it, you can do it, you can do it. Uh, Number two, God's not going to love you any more or any less whether you fast or not. It does not change God. Don't be legalistic, please. If you fail, just start back right away. Don't be legalistic and feel like a failure. Don't condemn your spouse. You do not need an accountability partner. Accountability partners ruin relationships. It's between you and God. If your spouse says, I'm not going to you know, drink milk this week or whatever, and you say, I'm not going to eat meats or any solid foods or any sweets. Don't look at their paper and say, well, in that case, I'm going to do this. No, no, no. You do what God's leading you to do. If your spouse breaks their fast, do not condemn them. You can't even go three hours. I've been I carried my baby for you for nine months and you can't do this. Okay. Don't do any of that stuff. I know how y'all ladies do. I know how y'all do. I'm in, I'm in bed for nine months. You can't even massage my feet for nine minutes. Nasty feet. So look, don't do that. So let me tell you what else. So the Bible says when Daniel fasted, he mourned. That means it wasn't a happy feeling. It was sad giving something up, okay? Your tongue may start getting coated. That's normal. Uh, you may feel lightheaded when you stand up. That's normal. You may need more rest. Get the more rest. You may start to experience bad breath. I know some of y'all have already started fasting two weeks ago, it smells like. But anyway, so these things may happen. Okay, here's the point, though. It doesn't change God, it changes you. This is an open door for God to do amazing things in your life. And that is how you control your body. Amen?
Okay, musicians, come on up. Singers, come on up. Communion team, get ready.